three, two, one. Red Bud! <laughs> Let's go! Yeah. We got 4th of July. It is Red Bud season. That's it. It's Red Bud weekend, man. It is hot. We are ready. Uh, and uh, damn it. we got some guys ready to rip it. I'm your host of the PVE podcast, Troy Tittlemeyer, and this is Chase Fender. Man, I met you in 2005, right? Fifth grade for me. You were a fifth grader, dude. It was a kid. It's unbelievable. I was maybe 20, something like that. I mean, I was a kid too, but it's, it's, it's different. You were a kid kid. And, I, you know, you and Rusty running around like, wow, man, what, a, what an amazing little adventure I got to have and experience. And then uh, being able to stay connected with your dad and you and now seeing what you've done and kind of your perspective and the way you think about things. Um, the people you meet along the way, right? I mean, it's so crazy. So happy, dude. I'm so happy and thankful to have you in my life and man. to have met you and your family, dude. That, that's, you know, I really appreciate hearing that and, and I feel the exact same way. Uh, as soon as you start meeting a lot of my friends and family, you'll uh, hear all the ranting and raving I've done about T-Roy. So uh, <laughs> one of my favorite people uh, without a question. Right on, man. Well, dude, this show was was really, really cool. Uh, before we get into kind of some of the nuts and bolts of the show, I want to talk to you about this event we have coming up, man. Great. Get your feedback on it. We're calling it the Summer Rocks event. Okay. Summer Rocks event. We're going to start with a nine-hole golf tournament. Great. Three on three. So no pencil whipping. There's going to be three golf carts. Mm -hmm. You got A versus B, and mm -hmm. then you have a C golf cart, which has one player of A and one player of B. Wow. Yes. I haven't heard of that before. That's it's to It's to eliminate the whole cheating shit yeah because you go to a scramble right it's a scramble but yeah it's three on three it's a scramble and you go to a scramble it's like wow 17 under look at these guys you know yeah interesting <laughs> how it ain't, ain't happening this time we got golf we got two teams playing each other on each hole it's still the scramble but on the eighth hole of the olympia hills golf course is like a new discovery man it's a geologic discovery really yes the eagleford is outcropping at this golf course which eagleford wow. is that world-renowned like or at least texas renowned right absolutely reservoir all across south texas and central texas and it, and it was just austin chalk for all these years it was all called austin chalk austin chalk wow. geologist after geologist austin chalk well the current president-elect of the of the south texas geologic society who's going to be at our event Great. discovered in during undergrad this is not austin chalk this is something else i wow. think it's eagleford and so we're looking at this rock and that's it this is the this is the eagleford Really? Yeah, this green serpent. It does have green all over it. That's uh, something I was noticing while we were looking over this. It's a wild rock, dude. And it's leaking into the creek and stuff, and it's got an oil sheen to mm -hmm. it. It's like, it's, it's hydrocarbon. It's a hydrocarbon factory that we're looking at. Eagleford, we know, is a hydrocarbon factory. It's a world-class reservoir with millions of barrels, right? It's still right. producing all its gas. Absolutely. Eagleford is a massive hydrocarbon producer. Eagleford Permian Basin, what is the uh, comparison of like size or, or any of those things? Random outsider question here. But yeah. That's all you hear about. Eagleford Permian Basin, uh, how do they match up? Wow. I mean, I don't know that it's even a, 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 a competition, but... It definitely is because Eagleford is kind of referring to the whole area. Okay. And it's also its own formation, its right. own reservoir. Mm -hmm. But dude, it... This region that mm -hmm. the Eagleford really is in 
has oil like i mean it's comparable dude it wow it's world it's it's definitely United States class. I would say it's world class. The shallow oil fields have made millions of barrels. The deeper oil fields, like the Eagle Ford itself, millions of barrels. And so the Permian is very similar in that. Mm-hmm. You got very, very deep reservoirs. You go to 10, 15,000 feet. You got reservoirs down there. And then you got reservoirs all the way up to 1,000. Goodness. Right? So it, it's, it's very similar. The Permian is just larger. Okay. Like it's a bigger area mm-hmm. than the Eagle Ford. Permian is 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 a massive size, and the Eagle Ford is is smaller, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little thinner. Okay, so, I mean it's, but a lot have oil. A lot of oil and gas has come out of this oh, area. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's that's built all San Antonio, and honestly, I would say it's it's built. It's helped build Texas. Mm-hmm. No question about it. The Permian Basin certainly has. Yes, but this industry right here in San Antonio for being over a hundred years old mm-hmm. since its first discovery and how much oil and gas has come out of this region to the refineries to sell to the rest of the world has without a doubt had a major contribution to the state of Texas and to the United States. Man, tremendous. What a great state to live in, by the way. So we're going to go check this rock out. We're going to learn a shit ton about it. And we're going to figure out, is that actually serpentinite or something? Is that, a pro is that rock a product of serpentinization or is that a rock uh, a product of some other geologic mm-hmm. process we're right. going to make that discovery at this event really yes so you should be there dude absolutely without a doubt <laughs> that's the summer rocks event okay so let me go through the the schedule so you're telling me i get to play golf and make potentially one of the biggest discoveries of oil and gas one of the you know energy the biggest industry, that's whatever it. there is. That's it. If we prove that that rock is related to serpentinization at this event, it's going to be the biggest discovery at any mini convention, single convention, global convention. I don't care what other convention you got. That's a major discovery for the Eagleford. Folks, you love golf. You love discoveries. Do we have the event for you? Dude, I got more. I got more. There's more. Let, just wait. Please. <laughs> so we get in, we register, we golf, we do the outcrop. You get a geologic guidebook that tells you about the cracks of the world. Really? You, yes. You get material That's to take awesome. home to show people what you learned. And then we go in and we have lunch inside the event center at the golf course. And we're going to bring in Alan Lazenby Jr., who's this guy that start. He's an engineer who started an oil and gas company and got the opportunity. And some he's going to tell his story. I just know bits and pieces at this. Love point. a good bio, dude. This guy went to Columbia, helps make this discovery some way, some shape wow. or size. It's a it's an oil and gas mm-hmm. discovery. He has to build a, his own airport. He's like building his his own infrastructure. This whole goodness. Thing. All of a sudden, Pablo Escobar shows up. Yeah, Once starts holding. Wants the airport, supposedly. Oh, yeah, of course. And probably wants his cut. So start, his engineers go held hostage. Like, the story is a, something else, dude. He's going to come live, tell his story. That's going to be the podcast in the middle of the day. Me, Tremendous. Me and him wow. just, going pot, just going for tit for tat. Podcast, that's the lunch. And then we roll right into the mini convention. Great. The mini convention is going to be like local service companies, mm-hmm. the societies, the students from the universities. We want to really integrate and like get this really nice networking opportunity to talk to exactly. people. Right? Like-minded people talking about opportunities. We're also bringing in rate. Rate is, is an investment team. It's real asset investment team, mm-hmm. Rate. And we had, we had him on the show. We were putting out some content with him. They basically figured out that, like, all right, if, if you have a personal investment strategy, 
which involves your own personal investment philosophy, right? Your, your own personal investment opportunities that you have. If you have that kind of established, so if you're disciplined enough to be a professional and be a person in, in life right now that has investment dollars, right? then he's bringing a tax strategy that you might be unfamiliar with. Really? Yes. And you might be, be able to use a lot of money that is typically taxed in your situation. Wow. And invest it in energy. You can invest Goodness. as a working interest partner in operations where you're making oil and gas every day as a person, as an individual or as a company, mm-hmm. you're putting the money into that, that you would already be handing over to pay taxes. Right. You don't have to do that anymore. You can use that and make an investment. What a benefit and get a real asset under your hands. You own an oil and gas. You're making more energy than you actually burn as a person. And more dollars to go around for those individuals, you know, seeking that investment, man. Right. What a benefit that is. That's tremendous. The industry needs it more than ever, too. Without a doubt. The workover companies, the service companies, the oil and gas operators, we need investment dollars like no other right now to keep up with this demand that's happening. Wow. It's such a struggle to hire the right people, use the right equipment, do it the right way in, in the environment we're in. We need the strategy, this tax strategy, and he, in his opinion, oil and gas is offering a tax strategy and a tax benefit to investors like no other industry, not the real estate, not stock market. He's like oil and gas working interest partners. Like this is the real deal. And is eliminating, I imagine the barrier to entry. You know, I wouldn't know how to get involved. And now you have a liaison that can show you exactly how, how and where that's a dream. So he's going he's gonna to explain that stuff to us. Uh, he's going to do a quick little speech. He's going to be there live to teach us more about it, to be a contact. You have 20000 50000 a million, doesn't matter wow. what you have to invest. He can, he can help you be that, that That's strategy. an asset, man. That's tremendous. So we're going to have those. The energy convention is going to happen, and then we're bringing in Josh Tatum, dude. He's the rising star from Midland, Texas. There we go. Josh Tatum is going to come in and rip up a live performance. Gotta love Happy it. hour. Shout Open out to Josh. <laughs> That's it. Have you heard of him? Yes, absolutely. What? Dude, natives got to stick with natives, man. Yes. Dude, so he's coming in, shredding it up. We're going to do a networking app, happy hour open bar. That kind of ends the night at like 5, 6 o'clock. Right. And specifically, we want to end it there. Because we want all these people who just met to have the opportunity to say, hey, what are you going to get for dinner tonight? Wow. And let it go. Let it go from that event and go, go keep going with what you just created. These opportunities all came together right here, right then. Now, it's not go home and, and maybe we'll get together another time. It's, hey, I, I'm hungry. Like Dude, we're for- purposely making you hungry and excited at the end of this event to keep going with your business and opportunities. Between that and the golf, it sounds like you've really put all y'all's thought into, you know, every how, how to make this as uh, uh, as much ROI as possible. It's what it's about, man. man. I love it. We don't want to waste any time, so we're gonna no, South we're busy. Texas. South Texas Geologic Society is in support of it. The Society of Petroleum Evaluation Engineers. Great. So like the banks and the investors, right? The evaluators of of the financing. Society of Petroleum Engineers themselves. We got our platinum sponsors, Mandrill Energy and USGP. Shout out. They're going to be coming in, telling us all about what they do and what they provide. Again, golf tournament in the morning. Go to pbepodcast.com to get your tickets registered today. Absolutely. Buy your sponsor packages so we can give you credit, right, to give you a platform to tell everybody in the room what you do. I'm looking forward to it. 
Right on, man. Cool. Well, that that was great. That worked out. Uh, so let's go, let's talk about the show, man. Let's, let's talk about what dropped out in this show. We talked about kids, the idea of having kids. We talked about starting our own businesses, yeah, failures, accomplishments. This show, for me personally, was awesome because you know I've I've known you for so long, right? And and then getting to really get the opportunity to sit down and learn more about like who you've really turned into. It was was a real treat for me, but doing this show was was kind of eye opening for me in the sense that we have businesses and technologies that are out there working right now in America at American dollars at American pay that are working. It's not this idea that you can go and get an accountant to help you for sixty three cents an hour right. in some other country and all these other things, like all this cheaper labor and all that stuff. No, America's actually working just fine. And sustaining America. Yeah. That was a big dropout for me. Man, I absolutely love it. I, I wanna do whatever we can to keep supporting that, but that's uh you know all wisdom that I soaked up from this podcast aside, yeah, it's it's uh Tremendous to hear that sort of stuff. And uh, man, what an experience it's been. Right on. What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Do you have a, do you have a, a one, like a, a, do you have a response to that? If someone asks you what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge and wisdom. Interesting. Knowledge and wisdom. Um, I guess the, the first thing that uh, came to mind is something along the lines of ought to do versus capable of doing. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hazy, kind of foggy. Maybe we can hash that out, but, uh, you know, with knowledge, there comes a lot of capability, uh, of what you can do with wisdom. I think there's a lot of things of what you ought to do. Uh, and, uh, that's kind of a hazy, foggy example, but that's the first thing that came to my mind. (laughs) It's awesome, man. It's freaking awesome. See, I wouldn't have been able to answer that question, but now that I have kind of a, uh, a one line jumping off point, right? For this you're what you're saying is, is accurate. It was, um, knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit, mm-hmm. but wisdom is knowing that you're not going to put it in a fruit bowl. Right. Right. And that you can make ketchup out of it. <laughs> there you go. You know, interesting twist, uh, to knowledge and wisdom, but it, it we, we ended up saying, I think the same thing, what you can do and what you ought to do with that information. It's a good question to ask yourself. Yeah. Always, man. Always keeping mental checks, right? Checking the soundboard around you, the people you have that you talk to every day, uh, making sure that that soundboard is, is, is sharp and is the best people you can keep around you and to share those ideas. And it's to, crucial. Yeah. Soundboards are, you know, who are your meters? Who, who are you bouncing off of? Who, who are you gauging who you are? can't just be all all solo you know yeah. so you got to keep those people around you that are those good buoys or those good walls that you bounce off of and and you know oh i'm messing up oh i'm doing well and uh keeping those good meters around you right man that's it all right last thing before we go what uh you have one geologic question what is it any or one that rises above the, them all what a geologic question do you have why is there so much heat in the center of the earth and how is it, does it, is it for, is it, you know, I mean, not eternal, but how is there so much heat at the center of the earth? How does it continue to be so hot? How is it not, if it's not being fueled by something, how does it not cool down? I guess that's 
kind of an outsider question. Maybe that's easy. Wow. But, uh, it's a galactic question. I like it. I like it, dude. The, our galaxy is on freaking real, the amount of energy that's in it. So it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's going on there. But you can imagine that you know, there, there's this rock that's floating around the sun. And it's not, you know, we think it's floating, but it's actually being violently ripped through the galaxy and hooked to the sun's gravitational mm -hmm. pull. So this this star is being ripped violently through space. And I think that in itself is a friction. That in, in, Makes sense. in itself is an energy. But how our planet is able to, to harness that energy and and uh, and create the biosphere and 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 our, our our atmosphere that allows us to live, that is incredibly challenging to to really think about. I know the perovskite, which is most of the mesos, uh, mesosphere, which is the the middle part of our planet. So you mm -hmm. got the core, the outer core, and then you got this mesosphere, and then you have the active layers of our of our planet. The, the mesosphere is the biggest, like 60% of the planet, and okay. it's, it's dead. There's nothing really going on there, but it's, this, it's made out of this material perovskite. Mm -hmm. And it's a super, it's really a super capacitor and a super conductor at the same time. It's amazing material that the, the straight jacket of our star, because the inner core is our star. That's where all the energy is really coming from. Okay. And that thing's being ripped around the sun, and, and you know that's that big friction point that gravity in near us is all held on. So that's that. So gravity latches onto density, right? So is it the most dense as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's iron nickel. It's most dense. And then around it is perovskite, this big thick body of perovskite, which is this super capacitor. So it can hold that energy really well, but every now and then it can let it go and it can release it. So our, our planet, if you look at the active layers versus the dead layer of mm -hmm. perovskite versus the core, we've used up approximately 62%, which is a Fibonacci number or Fibonacci sequence Great. of our star. And we have about 36-ish, 38% left Interesting. Uh, of energy and active mantle to continue the gases and this balance, this, this unbelievable orchestra of gases and liquids that are constantly recycling and making more of, and we're, right. we're always losing hydrogen. So we're, our, our planet constantly loses hydrogen and helium. Those are the only two things we constantly lose. Really? Yeah, we're constantly burning that off as we're floating through right now. The next second, we just lost more helium and, and right. hydrogen. And that's... Goodness. But our planet is constantly pushing that out, right. right? We have so much more. We have 38% more of that to, you know, to sustain what's going on. But, um, man, great question. Galactic question got me going there. That was good. Got to love it. That was good. No, I love the answer. That was, like, super informative. I really appreciate it. Three, two, one, let's go. On July 29th, we're going to do the Summer Rocks one-day convention. We're going to start it with a golf tournament. Golf tournament goes past hole eight at Olympia Hills Golf Course. Olympia Hills Golf Course is in Universal City. 
so it's like shirts area, San Antonio, outskirts, out, outskirts San Antonio. It's essentially where the, the big hills start happening as you get out of San Antonio. What are those big hills all about? What's going on there? What's all that structure that's driving these hills? Well, Olympia Hills Golf Course has a very interesting outcrop right there on hole eight. So we're going to do this golf tournament. All the golfers are going to roll through. We're going to stop, do the field field trip guide on hole eight where we're looking at the Austin Chalk and Eagleford as it's leaking oil into the creek, right? We're going to get some samples from that. We're going to get some data to look at, and we're going to start looking where we're looking at this from a hydrothermal perspective that all these big fractures that are in this area that are driving the, the structure, these hills and all that stuff, that's tied to a system that connects to the deep. And the deep is hot waters, hot metal, like it's metalliferous waters, right? It's full of kerogen. It makes oil. That's the hydrothermal perspective. So we're going to start breaking down the geology and try to figure that out uh, over there at Olympia Hills. Then we're going to roll inside. Breakfast is included on the golf, but lunch is included. That'll go into the podcast with Alan Lazenby Jr., who's going to talk about uh, crossing paths with uh, uh, Pablo Escobar and, and share his story and his learnings uh, from his long and successful career. Then we're going to do, go into the mini convention where we're going to bring up these technologies and these service companies. We're going to bring up uh, real asset investment team uh, owner where he's talking about the, you know, understanding your place as a personal investor. Right, your personal investment strategy, your personal investment philosophy, personal investment opportunities. You you might work a W two and have extra income that you want to spend on investing, but what they bring together is this tax strategy where it's not only are you disciplined enough to store the money and have that opportunity to invest, but you might be actually able to drastically decrease the percentages of your income that are going to pay taxes and use that money to make the investment. Yeah. So, so there's a couple ways and it's just like anything you get into, there's multiple ways to come to an event like this and really come out a winner, right? You're not just going to show up, you're going there to achieve something for yourself, whether it's education or networking or a specific outcome that you've decided. There's a couple ways there. One, uh, if you're just getting into the space, you can come and network with people that are already doing this. Right, they're already in the space. Um, if they're coming to the event, they're looking to network as well. So they want to talk to you. Maybe they want you to come in as an investor. Maybe they're wanting, uh, you know, more knowledge for their team. Right. Um, so that's one way is just networking and finding opportunities. If you already have a personal investment strategy and you know what you're looking for, now you come to this event and you're finding opportunities to actually invest. So it's more than just networking and knowing somebody, but you're maybe going to find five, six. 10 operators, you can meet them, have real conversations to understand, do I want to invest in what they're doing? Because I already know my, my personal financial strategy needs oil and gas investments. And this is a place I can go and find deals and places to get into this market, right? So it's really cool, very eye-opening, very interesting development there. And he, he they'll be here. Um, and then we're going to just talk to the societies. We're going to talk to students. We're going to talk to service companies. It's a mini convention. And that goes to the happy hour where we get to open the bar up, bring in dinner, and we have Josh Tatum, who's going to be shredding up the, the guitar uh, live for us there uh, at the Olympia Hills Golf Course. So one-day convention, what we're ultimately trying to do is recruit professionals to 
get involved with the societies. We want to build a strong network of professionals that really understand the energy landscape of San Antonio, where it's going to go for the next 20, 10, 20 years, and who's going to manage these things. Who's going to manage that next 10 to 20 years? How are we going to actually get more efficient and get better and get to it safer? How's that actually going to happen? This is the network we're bringing together, and this is why we're so passionate and why we're so energy thrilled about this event on July 29th, Olympia Golf or, uh, Olympia Hills Golf Course, July 29th. Let's go. Let's get it. So what we're drinking is uh, Sazerac Rye, straight white rye whiskey. Would you say Sazerac, or how would you say that? Sazerac. Sazerac. I wonder what type of word that is, like country-wise. Good man. Cheers. Cheers, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, dude. Anytime, Chase. Anytime. It's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool to see what uh, what you're doing after all these years. It's wild to see. It's yeah, doing everything that we did and now being where we are, yeah. dressed how we are. <laughs> we're just. <laughs> Wearing skateboard shoes and stuff. That's it, man. Yeah. So let's rock it all the way back, dude. I, I obviously, I think I know, but let's just go with uh, where are you from exactly? Where were you born? How was you, how was you growing up? Well, born in Midland, Texas. Lived there for 19 years. Uh, you know, family uh, outfit fleet, you know, primarily oil field vehicles. I was just, you know, talking to my dad about that the other day, how it's interesting. We haven't had anybody in our family, really, uh, working in the oil field until this generation. One of my cousins uh, worked for Pioneer and now does um, some oil field construction stuff. But, yeah, interesting growing up there and not being involved in oil and gas at all, not knowing anything about it, really, uh, not having family members involved. So... But your dad, um, how long did your dad run that, that company, or how long did he run it? Uh, when, when did all that start? It's called Fender. Fender Truck Accessories started as Fender Tire in the 80s, and it's been there ever since, and they transitioned over from tires to vehicle accessories. Uh, they were buying parts, you know, not even from the middleman, middleman of a middleman in Odessa, and got into buying one or two accessories and outfitting them, and now... Um, wow. They, for what they do, they don't have a ton of, of competition. You know, it's been interesting seeing Carrie move from Midland to uh, Fort Worth, where we're at now. And, you know, all the businesses they had set up in Midland. And, uh, you know, one brother runs the store, one brother's an accountant, one brother does this, one brother does that. And now he's in Fort Worth. We're running the business that we're running. Uh, and I guess just the lack of safety nets and, oh, I don't have a spare vehicle, a shop truck to use, uh, when mine goes down, or I don't have, uh, an oil change guy that comes and does it all, or I don't have, and, uh, you also don't have the, the profit margins <laughs> that you do in, in West Texas and that they had. I mean, right. it was a money printer. So it was, it's interesting him, uh, leaving that moving to Fort Worth. I've been there for a few few years and uh now he's seeing 
kind of how the rest of the world has existed outside of the bubble uh, that <laughs> is West bubble. Texas. So The bubble um, of West Texas, man. It's an interesting place. Wow. So yeah, born there, um, went to the same school, went to Midland Christian all the way through preschool through uh, uh, senior year. Nice. Played football? And, uh, played some football, ran some track, uh, rode motocross, as right. you know. That's how Troy and I met each other through That's motocross. Right. So... Um, Right, still, man. still my favorite sport, still the only f- sport that I, you know, follow, listen to the podcast, read the magazines. Nice. Um, Who's your all time favorite, all time favorite motocrosser besides me, man, besides Troy, besides, well, I've seen the tat on your leg. You're, you getting the whole shot leading the race. So he may be the greatest of all time. Um, Ricky Carmichael, I mean, yeah. revolutionized the sport. Anybody that uh, I think you ask nowadays that's involved in the sport or, or previous pros that were pros when, when he was there, even, you know, get a before and after. The sport was kind of, uh, you know, just dudes showing up and racing. In the meantime, they were riding in the hills. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're well aware, being from California, riding in the hills, doing all of that. And, and it was kind of a hobby. And then you'd race on the re- weekends. And Ricky change the sport to uh, training facilities, training regiments, uh, five gallons of gas every day, you know, like he did, um, you know, down to calorie counting and, and true regiment that other sports operate at. Right. He was the first one to do it for, for motocross. And so he's, you know, as you know, considered the goat for that. Yeah. Um, not the fastest. I think Bubba was the fastest right. to ever do it. Yeah. Um, but damn, Ricky was good, dude. I remember being a kid. Just changing it, yeah. In the '90s, he came through LACR, and everyone was talking about Ricky Carmichael. And man, he's on an 80, and it was just like, golly, ripping it. Didn't Random know, short redheaded <laughs> kid from Florida. Didn't know an 80 can go that fast, man. It was amazing. Changed the amazing. sport. Yeah, it's, so so him for sure. Uh, K-Dub, Kevin Windham. Nice. I was a big Kevin Windham fan. Throttle control. I liked just his whole demeanor and uh, the way that he rode. Um, always liked guys that wore awry helmets as well for some reason. Huh. I always that your... thought that their style was, I don't know, just the way that guys that wore awry helmets conducted themselves in the road, <laughs> I always thought was interesting. So yeah, yeah, uh, was, You must be the only person ever seen that. And, I'm, and pick that up. I don't know. It's so helmets. weird. I, it's, you know, I never even owned one. I always thought they were the best helmets. But, Man. yeah, I liked dudes that wore a rye. Still do. Justin Barsha wore a rye for a long time. Bam, bam. Um, yeah, Davey Millsaps to, was, you know, uh, I liked Davey because we were both tall and skinnier guys yeah same with you know travis preston right uh, oh, some TP, of those man. Sorts i almost of guys. got to work for that guy really yeah he was ah oh, that dude was hilarious man he was one of the, one of the super guys. crosses i went up to his his semi and this was after qualifying practice or something and i asked him for an autograph and he said yes and he was like well, what do you want me to sign i had didn't have anything and this dude signed my stinking shoe <laughs> I took my shoe off, had a big white part right on the middle, 
I said, well, will you sign this? And it's probably stunk and all of that. And, <laughs> and then now That's I listen cool. to him on podcasts. I'm like, dude, what the coolest dude ever. I mean, yeah. a random guy comes up, asks you for an autograph. You sign his shoe. Yeah. He, uh, the sport's cool. amazing. Yeah. The people that like it really like each other. Yeah. The, you know, power distance between fans and riders is lower. Uh, you know, they're, easier accessible easier to talk to than yeah like lebron james or something so it's a really tight-knit sport i mean you have you know tremendous connections where yeah knowing this person knowing that person seeing them talk to them been yeah. in there it's a really tight-knit sport that uh you can meet somebody and really meet a lot of people from knowing someone yeah no, it's really true. cool it's pretty easy to walk through the pits and easy to talk to them when you you get a hold of them especially when you get in their network then it's like oh man you know, Villapoto is just one of the most normal dudes. Right. Super easy to Everybody get Everybody thought with. he Super was, cool. yeah, he was so rough to be around for so long, but just wanted to win so bad that he yeah. seemed like a, not a fun guy. Yeah. No, he what about awesome. you? Who are some of your favorite riders? Man. Um, well, leaving it off there, with starting with Villapoto, mm-hmm. that was cool. I got to see him come through his first outdoor national, and uh, and I remember calling my dad and like, this Villapoto, like, you can buy stock mm-hmm. in a dirt bike rider. <laughs> I bet the farm that Villapoto is going to be a multi-champion. And and uh, always being dominated by Alessi as an amateur. It's interesting how See, that uh, you know switches when you turn pro. I mean, Alessi was obviously successful, but I don't even remember that part of the amateur circuit. I wasn't in it, right? Mm-hmm. I was in I was in California, kind of getting ready to go and like be a mechanic, mm-hmm. and like the racing was done for me because I wasn't fast enough. Mm-hmm. And I just got hurt all the time. So it wasn't like I was in that in that scene. So I didn't really know that history uh, with them, but I got to watch him, and and he was amazing. I was like, man, he's he's changing, he's changing the game. This is another way to attack on the track. His it was just the way that I felt like he can control the back of the bike. He steered with the back wheel. Yeah, that's like, what they've always said. It's amazing to watch, man, and just very very unique. But also growing up racing James Stewart, you know, as random as possible, like only a few handful of times just happened to be the same age, not the same class. You know what I mean? And, uh, and so that was amazing. So he, he definitely stands out. And, uh, I like how you put it with, with RC dude, like he, he revolutionized the sport in the sense that it was, uh, it was at such a high level. It it is like the third or whatever top five for sure. Most physically demanding sports without a doubt. And it's a hard point to make to non, uh, people that aren't in the sport. Cause you think you just sit on the motorcycle and ride around. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I get it, but, uh, you could also easily simplify like baseball or basketball or something. Just put the ball in the hoop. Yeah. It's like, it's it's a simple game. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but it's not that easy. It's like, oh, what? I don't get it. It's like, well, same with riding a motor. Controlling a 200-pound motorcycle (laughs) for 35 minutes in, you know, Gainesville, Florida in the (laughs) summer uh, kicks your butt. Yeah. The track's always changing. Oh, yeah. Rough as hell. Yeah. Yeah, It's It's amazing. Super interesting. It's just so unique. It's hard to explain to people how physical it is and... um, all of those things. So you end up just kind of not even defending it. You know, yeah, you just sit down, ride around, whatever. I got to take friends out, dude. Our, our local track, LACR, would uh, would do team races. So you could take a friend, and it was the end of the day. Oh, wow. End of the day. It was after the Grand Prix. So mm-hmm. they do Grand Prix almost every month kind of thing, every holiday, basically. 
And, uh, and so every class raced, instead of doing two races that were like five laps long or mm -hmm. 10 laps long, you did one race for 45 minutes or mm -hmm. one race for 30 minutes, right? And that was the Grand Prix. Well, at the end of the Grand Prix, you get to do a team race. And you could have women and, and guys mm -hmm. do it. You can, you know, it's a team race. You just you one take, bike, multiple people. Yep, one bike, two people, and you race and kick it in the ass. And and the pros would stay. Like we'd see some of the best races at the Grand Prix. You know, team races. They what would, a dream! That's two hilarious. dudes racing one bike. And I would take my friends that had, you know just didn't do it. And they were always just amazed, man. My dad would always get a kick out of it. Like, I don't think I can survive that this. Is you know, funny. I don't want to go back out there. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's really unique, man. What an amazing sport. I love it. Yeah. You know, it's hard to like afford. I guess that's the one bad thing about it and only yeah. getting more expensive, especially through the pandemic. I mean, it's good to see manufacturers' sales go up and the sport really got a lot larger through COVID. Um, I haven't heard that. That's but, good to hear it is hard to justify the cost at some points. Yeah. I and mean, I can definitely give you that. Yeah. And then, you know, you start taking it serious. You want to get a trailer. You want to get a motor home. Traveling every weekend. Now you want to leave half day on Fridays. Can your parents afford to do that? Right. And right. you're missing school. And, uh, yeah. yes, it's definitely difficult. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I've, uh, I've heard several talk about that. You know, the homeschooling thing versus regular school and how do you stay competitive. It's amazing how much more serious and competitive it really has gotten across the across yeah. the board. Amateurs getting deals. I mean, getting real support now, mm -hmm. uh, where it wasn't always like that. And yeah, you admire the guys that finished school. Justin, I mean, contemporaries. Justin Cooper finished school, uh, finished high school. Levi Kitchen finished high school. Um, like at you know at the high school at an actual school um, yeah. there's Deegan, a few Deegan 125 went, guys what was Deegan's deal he uh, at uh, at high point right he grad he, yeah they did a uh, graduation ceremony for his like homeschool deal on the okay. podium so that was cool to see yeah I mean yeah good good to finish it obviously right, right. Um, but yeah there's a little extra admiration for those guys that went to high school and still you know are performing at the top right now yeah no well, it goes to show that you don't have it's not the only way to do it no right? like you you definitely can do this sport and not be on the road constantly and all that stuff so that's Absolutely. good it's good for the sport what do you think of danger boy i love danger, danger boy. boy i uh it's so interesting seeing the dynamic of their family and videoing everything yeah and everything just constantly being content and published uh, he claims that, you know, it's always been like that and he's used to it. Uh, so my opinion of it doesn't really matter that way. So it would be interesting living and being a part of it, but yeah. there is no doubt that the dude has serious talent. Yeah. Real yeah. serious talent that yeah. your dad can't buy. That's right. You know, your dad being Brian Deegan doesn't get you second place, your rookie, uh, super cross season. super cross season, and now I think he's in second or third in the outdoors. That's right. Uh, you can't buy that, and That's even right. with good bikes, I yeah. mean, uh, we've yeah. seen people not perform on factory teams. So, uh, real, very real. Yep, no, very I real threat. Certainly earned uh, earned every bit of it on the track to to have a, a, the ride that he does, right? Without and, a doubt, and to have the factory ride, a factory bike, do that whole thing, and it was good to see that. You know, that kind of pressure, which is certainly some serious pressure, 
uh, as you can imagine, especially with the social media aspect of it, bringing a million followers and everything that comes with that and, and saying, okay, it's, it is now time to perform. If you don't, and he underperformed in the, um, what is the junior supercross called futures futures so before his first supercross he had raced futures and didn't do well i i think maybe got top five maybe didn't even get top five um he comes out and performs like he did in in his rookie supercross season it's tremendous second place i mean they were hoping for top tens and you come and get second that's yeah outrageous yep no the dude's corner speed's legit Real, very good corner speed. Yep. Ability to lay the bike over. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah, trust the knobs, dude. <laughs> trust the knobs. Outrageous. Yeah. Man, I love that. Sitting here and talking about supercross, motocross with you, dude. That's I'm, a dream. I'm, I'm glad you're still Well, alive. we're the few in the proud, right? We, we've right. got to get it in while we're together. Man. Well, tomorrow, I don't know when you're going to leave, but the outdoors are back. Red, Red Bud, Bud, baby. Red Bud. Shout out to Ty Masterpool. Oh, man. You know, was it two or three years ago with his number one across the whole shot line? That was one of the coolest things ever. <laughs> now, so what's your take on this weekend? Last thing, and then we'll get into a little more of uh, your story and kind of where we want to take this podcast. What, uh, what do you think is going to happen this weekend? Who's winning what? Anderson's back in the 450 That's class. Right. I don't know. Uh, I think he's going to be a breath of fresh air to the class. It's kind of shallow right now is Dude, what a lot gonna, of people are saying. He's going to beat Lawrence. I sure hope so. He's going to beat him. Ando's my dog. He's going to beat him. You, have, you, have you ever seen the, uh, the race where he beat uh, the, the European dude? Uh, oh, we're at Donations. Yes. Hurlings. Hurlings. Took him out. Dude, don't sleep on Ando, man. Dude. The guy's a monster. is at times the fastest dude to ride a dirt bike. Yes. He is Jersey untucked, unbelievable, hanging it out, but in control. Yeah. And just doing it. Yep. But there's, it's just been this funk. It's Mm -hmm. been a funk. And you know, the guy's had a kid, the guy's in the middle of gets married, has a kid, marriage, kids, re, you know, you reroute your priorities. I imagine you look at the bank account and say, does all the risk match up to the reward? That's Uh, right. For him, I imagine it does. But um, so he's in a position, I think, where he comes back and makes a true statement. Where he comes back and comes I sure back hope hard. so. Yep. Um, Redbud and Redbud's totally revamped. Have you seen the layout? I haven't yet. I saw that it's redone. I yeah. haven't seen the layout. Yep. They change. They switch it up pretty good. So that just kind of opens it up. Redbud's a tricky, uh, real tricky, tricky uh, track because of those off cambers. Have mm-hmm. you been to Redbud? Have you never wa- have? Yeah, it's a, it's cool, man. The the crowd is electric, right? I've only heard Fourth of July weekend, like getting it's, wild. Starting uh, today, starting right now. <laughs> yes, right. It's just like we are. That's right. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. No, I, I mean, so Ando top three. I'm really hoping um, Jet. I mean, you have to list him in in the top. You, I mean, you yeah, have to say you think he's going to win. Yeah. Um, now that I mean, now there's a third spot. Is Roxon uh, racing? I think Roxon's racing. What a great debut he had yeah. last week. Love to see it. Love to see somebody shake up the class. Yeah. Uh, see what's going on with Ferrandis. I don't quite take his excuses. I mean, who am I? But uh, he didn't race Supercross and should have been testing, I believed, this whole time. I thought that's what he was doing. Right. And, I thought he was going to be a real uh, contender. He's, it's been served to him every way. Jeez. Uh, so I, I wanted the best for him. You know he can dominate. Right. Um, Past champion, dude. 
Sexton. I don't know what his deal is. I yeah. think he's back. Oh, that'd be but cool to see. You hear all these rumors of he took off extra time because he's unhappy with Honda and Hunter's uh, going to uh, be moving up. So it's going to uh, be the Lawrence uh, show. And he didn't want to stayed out enough rounds to where it was, it couldn't be a competition. You know, he couldn't get first because he's missed so many rounds and Jet's been winning. Uh, so that's the rumor. Who knows? Right. What the truth is, right? Yeah. Um, and where is he going? I mean, they say uh, Yamaha, they say KTM. Mm. Um, so who knows? But leaving Honda. Yeah. He's but, probably my favorite, for, you know, other than Jason. Uh, I think Sexton's maybe my fourth favorite 450 rider right now just because I want to see him win so bad. Yeah. Same with when Hunter Lawrence came over and just kept getting hurt. Uh, I don't dislike Hunter now, but I was a bigger Hunter Lawrence fan when I knew he could win and wasn't. Now he's winning everything, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, okay, I want somebody else to win now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, same way. So I would love to see Sexton get an outdoor championship. That'd be fantastic. What an interesting uh, deal that you brought up there, that they, there's a strategy there to sit out extra time. That's interesting. Uh, I, the only thing I heard about Sexton was the, uh, his, a bit of a head injury. He was a little worried about his concussions. And, uh, you know, I always had this hypothesis during the Supercross season that Tomac actually got rocked a lot harder than anybody suspected when he almost landed on uh, or came in together with Webb off that mm -hmm. rhythm and jumps off the track. He hits his head, smacks his head pretty good in that Interesting. crash. It was a real flash one, you know, real fast, mm -hmm. but it, it was definitely enough to, I think, rattle the dome. And then, bang, the rest of the year was just kind of odd. For sure, the rest, like the next two weeks, three yes. weeks was very odd. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, okay, he's he's doing fine. And then, bang, he gets a... a torn Achilles, man. Right, a How torn brutal. Achilles. Interesting... Uh, very interesting. I hadn't seen it happen. I no. mean, you've been involved with the sport longer than I, but I have not seen a mid-rhythm section no. torn Achilles just from sheer force. Yeah. Uh, no. And knew yeah. right away. I mean, yeah. you saw it when it happened that he just oh. he held it off and and uh, you know was like, nope. You think that's he's it. coming back? I don't. I think he's good. I think he's okay. taking care. I think he's wise, and that's why I think he's not coming back. I think he's surrounded by wise people, and uh, it's like, man, I've done it. I've made it. I have yeah. no more name to make for myself. Past that, I mean, that's what we've seen it all throughout history. That's what drives a lot of people. And when you don't need to do that anymore, you have more than enough money. Uh, the dude's got plenty of money, so right. it's like. Why go through the risk? Again, same with Jason. It's like now he's got two kids. Jason and, Anderson has two kids? Well, Eli has two kids. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I don't have kids of my own yet, but I imagine it just changes so much where you're like, yeah, I'm good. I took all the risk. I've got the millions. Yep. Now we can just do whatever. Yeah. Yeah, to risk your mind and body uh, in, in those high-level sports with family is definitely a, a bit of a game changer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always uh, <laughs> would uh, would give Christopher a hard time. I'm like, you're getting married, dude. Come on, man. What champion do you know has got married and have kids? You're right. going to settle down. You're not going to get a championship, dude. You got to get your championship before you get married. Sports changing a lot, hasn't it? Now, I mean, now, how old was Chris at the time that you were telling him that? And now you have Eli winning ago. championships at 30. 
31? Yeah, you considered right. an old ass man at 31 <laughs> in the right. sport. Now they're the, the premium. That's, right. That's mind blowing. That's true. That's true. It's a weird, yeah. Uh, the sport is, is, has been really interesting to watch and it's hard to believe the Villapoto Dungy era and, and Ricky's kind of fading out. Mm-hmm. Stewie faded out. Chad faded out. But that happened, and in that time, so much talent came into the class, and all of a sudden it was like, I almost, because Ricky and Stewie and all that stuff was happening, Mm -hmm. I lost track of how intense that gate of 20 riders was at one time, dude. That's (laughs) true. I had quit watching for during Villapoto's era just because I was like, it's a foregone conclusion. I mean, (laughs) there's no, it's it's who's going to get second and who's going to get third. And I got real bored um, yeah. with the sport, but it is amazing that those dudes were able to do that with the competition they were facing. Josh Grant, what Dude. happened, to Josh Grant? It was so fast. Dude. And it's just sometimes slip through the cracks, or whatever, just because you have a Villo and you have a Dunge. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, it would be interesting for another combo to talk about favorite. Uh, Villains, your Jay Lawrence, your, oh, uh, what happened you know, Mike Evans, or somebody uh, like that. There was always some interesting guys mixing it up. I don't know, Jay Law, yeah, Tyler Evans, Tyler <laughs> Evans, um, Jay Law, man. What happened to him? Getting in run-ins with the law and uh, teams not putting up with your BS, and oh, wow. uh, you know mm-hmm. the teams. I guess can be you know boring or whatever at times, but for your J laws, for your hannies, you know you probably need a little law and order from time to time. Yeah, yeah, Hanson was cool. Another Cali legend for sure. I'm sure yeah. you were around. I was I was there when he won the X Games gold. I was on that for the team. whip. Yeah, for no, the no, no for the Supercross. Oh, that's right. That was yeah. one of the first years they did Supercross at the X yeah. Games. Yeah. And bang, he took it down. So that was cool. That was uh, that was a big night for the team, and and he was just cool. You know, was this uh, Hart and Huntington? No, uh, Troy Lee. Oh wow, Troy Lee. Okay, Hanna. yeah. I didn't realize he had ridden for Troy Lee. Yeah, that was badass. He uh, and then he brings the fiberglass rims up to Mammoth. Yeah, they. they uh, I'm not aware. No, no, I don't think because I never think were. of him as too much of an outdoor rider. Oh, dude. I always think of Handy as Supercross for some reason. The dude is is on the level of of like the Villapotos of the world. Wicked talented. Talent. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. Not so much outdoors. Mm -hmm. I thought the same, but he could can move, dude. He can move in the outdoors. And he went up to Mammoth and shredded Mammoth. And I was like Carbon fiber wheels. They put carbon fiber wheels on his fucking bike. I'm like, what are these things? You know, I didn't even see that. I don't remember who made them. And he snapped them, you know? They, well, I was about to say, <laughs> I've never heard of anybody, so clearly it didn't catch on. Yeah. Didn't go. Uh, didn't shit. Go. What is the liability on, hey, <laughs> Troy, we're going to uh, we're going to throw the carbon fibers on your bike this moto. Yeah. Best of luck, and uh, yeah, let us know if there's any problems. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, in practice, Still. he's snapping those things, and I'm sure he's pro- kind of pissed off about it. Qualifying practice, so you're pushing it, I imagine. Yeah. You're not lollygagging out there. Gee whiz, that's ridiculous. Uh, He's yeah, that guy was cool, man. His his personality was was definitely uh was definitely over the top, you know, like very, very high level personality. 
and and his ability on a dirt bike was was lights out and he was he was really smart and he still i mean i'm sure he still is right but really smart about the bike came in his jeans right yeah he just knew like the feel and he had really good feedback dude style Mm -hmm. is i mean up there you know christian craig and guys like that wicked style yeah ridiculously smooth so envious to watch those guys before we switch over you know one more topic or one more uh yeah topic on the subject what do you think of the new oems moving into the sport we've got triumph coming on board and uh the italian brand beta beta beta's coming on beta and there's another a street biker who we think of traditionally as a street bike manufacturer ducati ducati's coming on board love it and Benny Bloss signing with them. Is Benny Bloss signed with Ducati or Beta? No, Beta. I Beta. apologize. He, yeah. he or Beta, Beta, however they... How do you say that fucking... It's B-E-T-T-A? I think it's Beta. No, one T. It's one T. I think it's Beta. Beta. That's what I've always heard it okay. from, you know, Enduro and stuff like that. Okay. Where, I mean, that's the only time I'd heard of those bikes, period. Is them it? and Gas Gas, really, was just enduro like... Enduro uh, stuff. Hard Enduro. Australia, Europe... Enduro wow. is where I did the only place I'd heard of them. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. If it's anything like we've seen in the past, mm-hmm. it's going to be a bunch of flash in the pans mm-hmm. and there's not going to be much longevity in any of it. You got Ricky with Triumph. Tedesco's testing their bikes. Supposedly. With Triumph? That's what I've heard down so in Houston. To me, that's telling me they got money, right? And that's what you're going to need. My uncle told us back in the day, like Moto Triple X days, he was mm-hmm. friends with Kyle Lewis. Like, Oh, really? Yeah. And, uh, and he goes... Number 23, I think. Yes, right? sir. Yeah. Lucky Lewis. Uh, he, he goes, the motocross industry, for like investment reasons, investor opportunities, mm-hmm. is the biggest sinkhole. It's like the biggest money pit. Do you hear the $5 million saying? No. You know, if you, uh, you know, if you want to start a team and leave with a million dollars, start with five. That's it. You know, from from everybody I've heard, it's it's really that That's way. Right. I knew uh, uh, a gentleman that was partially funding a team, and uh, I don't think they made too much from it. So make zero. Yeah, if yeah, you want to leave with a mill, start with five. Is what they say. <laughs> I believe it, dude. I totally believe that. So if uh, if they're truly committed to that and shaking up uh, the industry in that in that sense. What's cool to hear and maybe why it makes a little more sense to me was your uh, your take on after COVID that the manufacturers actually picked up in sales. Tremendous. And, and uh, you know, secondary, you know, uh, pro circuit, for instance, people were buying so many 110s during COVID and their, their supply and their production of 110 exhaust just went through the roof. Really? Like everybody's riding 110s nowadays. And notice it used to just be Cowie that had a 110. Yamaha has a 110. Honda has a 110. Kawasaki what? has a 110. What? We everybody's making a 110 now. 110 Supercrosses. How do we not have 110 Supercross series? I'm on board. Dude, can you imagine? Chris rode, rode uh, for BBR for a little while. Dude, he'd, he'd be the guy. I was there. Blake Horton to... still races for BBR, rides really? pit bikes. Yeah. Really? He does vintage bikes. Yeah, I've seen the vintage bikes. Stuff. Yeah, and uh, I didn't I haven't seen much. You know, he was doing some either. international stuff too. You know, I went to Uganda at one point and I saw some race bikes, some Kawasaki's, 
and I came back and then I saw an article in Racer X or something where Blake Wharton was going around the world doing some uh, press stuff and was talking about motocross in Africa, motocross in wow. Latin America. Here's uh, the problem with the, the pit bike thing, the pit bike scene. Have you ever been to the the pit bike uh pit bike supercross before the vegas uh never been so and they always they, well i don't know how much history of it but i got an experience of it. it's the new orleans in mm-hmm. vegas it's got a badass little coliseum in there interesting and they put on the mini bike supercross like hmm. final right and so the best of the best that was like uh i don't think it's william browning but what's that guy's name he's from fucking uh, uh, I'm not familiar Washugal, with any of those. Browning, you don't remember? You don't recognize the name Browning? I All right, he's the guy was amazing. Brown Brothers race, and they made some pit bike exhaust and stuff. Okay, no, I don't know if it's them, but Browning, this guy can get down on a 110. Wicked. And you know the Gosslers, they're total they're, blast. They're, by the way, 110s are like the funnest to ride. <laughs> I know they so. are. Well, I mean. All right, so okay, yeah, <laughs> you got they the, are a tremendous fun to ride. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's an easy statement. But it's uh, you know, you're in town for the big bikes, right? You're in town for Supercross, and the New Orleans would put on the mini Supercross race. That'd be a blast. Oh, dude, it was super fun. It was sold out. Like it was a lot of people there because it was we were all there for the weekend anyway right. from, from the main guys. But this was like Friday night. Yeah, a little appetizer. And the, yeah, a little appetizer. And the problem with it is it it. Because it's bigger people on a small bike, it's it's kind of gimmicky, mm-hmm. and it feels a little carnivaly. You build a miniature, you know, you can get to the point of traditional swing arm, Magura clutch, Marzacci forks, BBR frame, and it's like you're just riding a, a true sized down factory bike, bike yeah. you yeah. know? But when you when they race each other, they're banging. Like, it's just like it's kind of goofy. So mm-hmm. I I feel like if if there was a if we were able to build a series of of pit bike supercross mm-hmm. championships, there would have to be a level of like etiquette in the oh, racers. Interesting. Without it making it kind of not be taken seriously. Then you turn into the villain. Everybody already hates the AMA and stuff on their rulings. <laughs> That's Who's true. the guy making rulings That's... at the pit bike races? <laughs> I mean, you might as well have bonfires and fucking let people hold, like swing chains and shit. Was that the peak of motocross? Oh, 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 you mean, yeah, racers-wise. I was going to say, fans-wise, it seems like that was the peak of motocross, man. <laughs> Speaking of Red Bud and 4th of July, you got the... Chainsaws, you got the dude that wears the ghillie suit uh, the the whole time. Yeah, and you get the wild fan. They had a last, or I guess it wasn't last weekend, it was an off week, but they had a massive fire. I don't know if you saw that on the broadcast, a bunch of smoke. Somebody had lit a golf cart on fire. At the motocross? Yeah. Oh, damn it. (laughs) Yeah. How about that? I mean, that's some OG motocross stuff right there. It's coming back, dude. Gee whiz. It's coming what back. What a dream. Fluorescent colors. <laughs> Let's bring it back. Wild man. fonts on the shirts. Yep. AP rocking the mullet. That's it. We're drinking beers. Let We're these racers overalls. fight again. Let, let the boys f- play. Let them play. Let the boys play. I like yeah, it, man. seriously. Let them race again for sure. Yeah. We're getting yeah. a little too hasty on the rules, in my opinion, but... Yeah, motocross is definitely not a civilized uh, organization or sport. It shouldn't be. No. It's not. It's very, very, very competitive, and that's why we race. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a first, second, or third. So you really want to win. And there's, I totally believe this, 
the the industry is trying to make it where it's like hey it's it's good racing and mm-hmm. ricky's kind of a an advocate for this on this yes. side of it he's like you know it needs to be clean it's just good racing that mm-hmm. was a racing incident but dude at the end of the day i'm fucking trying to win of course and i'm i'm here you to see win. the yeah you see the win bonuses and the podium bonuses <laughs> yeah. and the top five bonuses and the top 10 bonuses so it's I, worth every position and don't make the riders the sponsors and everybody else should not make the riders feel like they can't say what they want to say after the race and it's just like that it Let really be. is that's why anderson's such a uh you know, Stirs recluse. Well, he, he doesn't he, do you, much media because right. Uh, right. he does his media. They do team fried. And then, right. Because uh, it's got to be his way or no way. Don't want to be told what to say. And that's why I don't know how well things go at Cowie. If you remember during the Supercross season when Anderson got put under probation and then Cowie came out on their own behest saying, you know, this isn't the way we support riding and we've never been about this. And it's like, you weren't even asked to say that. Why well, you got to come out and, uh, Garbage. you know, yeah. that's why you hired Anderson. He's not J-Law or, or yeah. uh, Tyler Evans taking people out for the hell of it. Yeah. The dude wants to win arguably worse that's than right. anybody else. That's right. That's uh, right. So I wouldn't boo-boo. Yeah. I wouldn't boo-boo the guy for that personally. Yeah. And it's not a, yeah, they're not there to like be friends with each other and be no. all cool with each of other. There not. is a lot of tension. Well, and that's such the weird thing about the sport, right? Is you start racing each other at eight. Yeah. And you've raced Eli Tomac your whole life. He has been your nemesis. Yeah. You're the same age, <laughs> same class. How weird. I mean, it's not even like that basketball, football, baseball track. Uh, you know, you name it. It's not like that. So interesting. Because uh, yeah. there's 20 guys. Yeah. You have more than 20 guys on a football team. Uh, there's 20 guys, period. <laughs> you know, riding in the main, 22 right. guys. 22. Uh, very Worldwide. interesting. But we could go on and on about motorcycles. I love it, man. Yeah. No, it's a cool sport. I love it. Love Let's, to get uh, to rant about it, though. Yes. Let's uh, let's switch it back to uh, to family a little bit. Absolutely. So your dad, uh, he, he, you watched him uh, run and uh, continue a successful family operation. Absolutely. Right? All kinds of learnings in that. What do you think your dad has done for you in in the way that you visualize your own business now? Like, what did you learn from him? What did you learn watching from him? What kind of big takeaways do you have, like from him? Like, talk to me about that. Your learnings as a as a as running a business now, and and how your dad was doing that for so long. I think the first thing that comes to mind would be uh, lack of limits and lack of roles. Always willing to do what it took. Uh, being in management doesn't change anything. Being owner doesn't change anything. So Carrie works in the shop at Stout Manufacturing now. Is that right? Uh, puts over a million dollars into the thing, and he works in the shop, and there is not anybody that's more liked at Stout Manufacturing than Carrie Fender. <laughs> the guys know that he not only started it and funded it. Uh, I mean, we started it together, but he absolutely funded it. And he's out there sweating his ass off Jeez. every freaking day. So there's no limits to 
Um, yes, you can get lost in the idea of, I just got to do what's necessary. Like, yeah, we all need to have roles within an organization. And that's a bit of a startup mindset of, you know, we all just do what it takes, but somebody having the mindset of, I do what it takes is, I mean, it's hard to put a dollar figure on how valuable that mindset is because that individual sees themselves without limits. They just see themselves as responsible. And uh, first mm. of all, people seeing themselves as responsible puts out the, the greatest outcome, I think. If we all were more cognizant of our responsibility to those around us, maybe we'd be better individuals, perhaps. I don't know. But um, first thing that came to mind would definitely be um, lack of limits. I need to do what it takes. If I don't do what it takes, somebody else is going to. Um, and he's like that in every, every facet of his life, heavily involved in uh, New Mexico Children's Home, um, does providing all of the kids that are coming through high school at the Children's Home with vehicles, organizes all of that. Wow. He's on the board there. You know, and you think of boards traditionally as... Um, I don't know, very prim and proper individuals. Carrie is not, you know, like that in all facets and came in on this board at the children's home and asked a lot of those, you know, what you would think is silly questions of why are we sitting around discussing this this much? What can we do? Like, this is ridiculous. This isn't who I'm, you know, he's not used to being that guy. (laughs) And so a lot of guys uh, afterwards came up and told him like, man, I'm glad finally somebody God, said it. Bet. We go around yeah, the table. Bet. We try to be proper. We try to, yeah. you know, okay, now I'll move to you. And now, yeah. and he was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, can I put the money forward and we do a vote and move on type, you know, situation. Yeah. And those sorts of individuals that's hard is in the right place. Just really possess raw power i wow. think and raw make power. things happen yeah uh, you've been around him he's yeah. influenced you i would imagine oh um, yeah i'm like blessed beyond belief you know have a dad uh, like so that. yeah have a dad like that have a granddad like that my granddad was the same way so he resembles your granddad a lot i think so you really? know i say that i come from a family of entrepreneurs and that's why i felt uh you know, not a negative pressure, but a pressure to do something on my own because my dad and granddad had done the same thing. Um, but it started with my granddad, and I imagine him. I I, I admire him a lot, rather, um, just from sheer drive, painting houses while he was in the military, buying and selling trees. Who who sells trees and and goes and plants trees while they build metal buildings? while they're also managing a gas station, like the dude that wants it. Yeah. And, uh, to, for that to be the only answer, the guy that wants it and to be within, you know, a family that's like that, where it's like, there's not another, there's not an excuse. Uh, you want it or you don't, and it's not going to happen for you. And, uh, those sorts of things of like biting the bullet, facing the music, um, regardless of if you start your own company or not, it's just so powerful to be around those sorts of figures. Uh, uh, and it helped me when I 
was not out on my own, you know, running my own company. It helped when I was at Walker Engineering and uh, getting interested in things, finding a little niche, hammering the hell out What'd of it. What'd you actually get a degree in? So I studied international, international studies focused in business. Uh, I wanted to study international business. I'd, I'd traveled uh, a fair amount as a kid, did some mission work and stuff that I really enjoyed, did some internship abroad, wow. uh, which was great and was just really able to, you know, so blessed being able to travel the world as a kid and get out of West Texas, which I've already mentioned. Uh, is there, I mean, it really is a bubble. You can get stuck in Midland and and uh, live there forever, and there's nothing wrong with it. I know a lot of people that still live there, um, but those guys also are hungry and push it, and there's a lot to gain in Midland. But you can settle in in West Texas and really not make waves and just do yeah. your deal and yeah. seeing how the rest of the world operates, such a blessing. So uh, thought I wanted to work for the government, work in international uh, realized that working for the government probably sucks and that they're not efficient at what they do and things of that nature. Realized I didn't want to be involved. I liked moving a lot faster. So came out of, uh, went to Texas State, studied international business there, came out, worked for Walker Engineering. They're a very large um, electrical contractor. It, the setting's called Missions Critical Setting. It's like data centers and things of that nature we were building, uh, which was, hmm. I mean, we had all been on such a, a bull market for what, 10 plus years in 2019 start, you know, starting whenever it started, I came out of college in 16, started working there and experienced the bull market DFW hundreds of cranes erected at one time in DFW working in construction. So it was booming. Building data centers was tremendous experience in how serious it was, what they were doing, the um, quality of customer we were building for, Microsoft, Facebook, Google, uh, you name it. We had done Jeez. a lot of work building data centers for those guys, getting that experience in a large company. Mm -hmm. You know, how do systems operate? How do things flow from one area of the company to another? How do you stay well organized? You know, you can do your quote unquote grimy startup and everybody's doing everything yeah. and you're hustling. And those things are like good and really uh, tremendous things to be a part of. But at some point you have to understand how the big boys operate, yeah. uh, how things stay in order, how the different you know areas of a company are separated, but how they communicate. And uh, that was tremendous experience to be around working for a Google Wow. Working on, uh, so I did some project management and then I got into uh, project controls, monitoring, uh, you know, the schedule and man loaded and value loaded schedules of, you know, how well are we keeping up, counting units. You know, you, you typically think that in manufacturing, counting widgets, how many are we doing per hour, this, that, and the mm -hmm. other. You know, at Google, and, and I was really working closely with them and Whiting Turner, who was the um, uh, general contractor, who I still have close relationships to this day. And I still meet uh, for lunch all the time with those guys that I met. They were trying to involve more of that uh, measured production in construction. You know, it's really hard to measure. You're not measuring, oh, I installed 2,000 feet of conduit today. You're just 
measuring rooms done or something like that. And it really gets gray and and you can really twist it in those meetings of how far along you are. Wow. Uh, It can really, yeah, yeah, well, we've got all the conduit run and I know we still need to do X, Y, Z, but you know, the hard work's all done and this, that, and you can really, uh, you know, like we've talked about off mic, you can really twist things into sounding well, uh, and you're not getting dick done, uh, or you're behind, or you know whatever the case may be. And Google and Whiting and Turner were the first project I'd been on where they were really trying to count as many widgets as possible, not to get in the way, but if you have individuals that will jump on board and really get involved, yeah, you can closely track the stages of a pro uh, of a project, which. You know, it's just really hard to do in construction. And uh, there's a lot of complaints about construction. You know, you can look at Bureau of Labor Statistics and where oil and gas and a lot of other things, I think their starting point was in the 60s or 70s, and they measure percentage of innovation since that point. And other industries uh, were, you know, 60, 70, 80%, and, and, from that time period that they started measuring construction was at a negative three at the time that I was heavily involved. So you've got your guys, uh, Roger O'Brien, Whiting Turner, different guys that are realizing this stuff. And how can we, uh, be way, how can we track everything and, and implement a lot more technology and construction, which has just been the same for so long. So I gained a lot of passion for project controls, counting widgets, the in and outs of, uh, you know, I liked the puzzle of, you know, we need to get here and we start with this. There's a few ways you can get there, (laughs) but we can track it every bit of the way. And you save five minutes, but you multiply that over every job you do uh, and how big your company is. And you multiply that by five years. Y'all are saving millions of dollars by finding better ways of tracking, better ways of doing, better ways of doing in the field markups on drawings, you know, versus pen and paper and somebody putting them in on on CAD later on. How can we give the guys iPads? They do all of their markups on the iPads. It, it uh, comes back in uh, instantly. Not as much tracking down of of tattered torn drawings at the end of a at the end of a project you know that you're trying to read stuff off of yeah. um huh. and the customers like that stuff better so that's where i gained a lot of of passion for you know finding a niche hammering it which at walker it was uh some of the software i became one of the go-to guys for a piece of software uh that helped us with a lot of that stuff and i liked the puzzle of finding the better ways to track and do things better. Right and if you can make little habit changes, you know, how can it affect your four $400 million company over 10 years? Jeez. You know, today it may save us five minutes, but if the whole company does something a tiny bit better in the next 10 years, uh, and it's something you have your name on, which is really cool to be able to go out and teach and do that sort of thing. So it really set me up well, for manufacturing. I gained a big passion for segments of monitoring, um, segmented work, 
manufacturing is just to dream little bits of, of work and you put it all together and can we shave 30 seconds here and there and all those line up. And then if we shave 30 seconds on every one of those products that we make, it's really fun sitting there doing that math of, of the potential money that you saved over 10 years. (laughs) If you, uh, you know, change your ways you find some better way of doing it so there's always a puzzle to be to be rejiggered somehow in manufacturing which is really cool yeah that is cool man and so from walker to what was your next what was the next deal i i came out of walker you know my father-in-law was working there and and was a tremendous help to me and and i came to him and said look carrie and i my dad are uh we think we found a hole in the truck accessory market that's not being done well enough. Um, and even if we just served the oil fields of West Texas, I think we could make a living at, at uh, making, you know, truck accessories ourselves. Yeah. And luckily with his experience in the industry for so long, you know, we had all the connections, all the, uh, you know, know about uh, uh, different accessories, how well this is working versus that. No, this mounting mechanism, you know, is total bullshit. (laughs) These people are, you know, came up with this, this works, that doesn't. And having somebody that's outfit all of that stuff for 30 years being like, Nope, we, we, we can't do it that way. We got to do it this way. Yeah. And that's mistakes I would have made. And, uh, uh, I mean, just ridiculous asset to have somebody that's been there for so long that can uh, just off the top of their head can save you so much time yeah. with no, I already know that that doesn't work because yeah. we had these come back to us all the time breaking and it's like, boom, save time right there. What That's a dream right. that is. That's right. So out of Walker started stout manufacturing. We, we began making uh, headache racks. If anybody is, is up in the know on their truck accessories, a lot of uh, fleet vehicles have headache racks. It uh, uh, protects your rear glass, and oftentimes they'll have lights and stuff for blinkers. So it uh, protects your rear glass on your vehicle, and uh, protects you know the top you know bed cap as it's called on on your truck. So you get angle iron that goes all the way down your bed, and you've got a headache rack that prepares uh, not prepares protects rather your um, rear rear window and. So we saw a hole in that market, started private label manufacturing those products, building into starting our own brand, and now we're getting into uh, a lot of other products, a lot Change. of other bigger um, industries outside of oil and gas, which just serving them alone, it's ridiculous. I mean, what a dream it is to just serve the oil and gas industry out there. They use a lot of uh, fleet vehicles, truck accessories, right. and and... <clears throat> growing into the four state, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, just uh, uh, expanding a little bit through through customers of ours that have Dang. multiple stores, you know, it's a dream. I love it. Right on. And then this, the the robot thing, I was telling my daughter, I'm like, he's got robots. Right. And she's like, what? She was just fascinated with, what do these robots do? Like, uh, what What do you mean robots? And Man. I remember you sending me videos. I mean, this was years ago. And you were sending me these videos and these freaking things were, you know, it's got a headache rack in its hands and it's just twirling them and welding, welding, spinning, you know, what a man technology is, is amazing. And, uh, the ability, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't take a genius to program a robot to make a 
two, three million dollar a year product. I mean, yeah, you may need the startup funds, but like you'd be astounded at how easy, uh, I mean, not that it's all easy, but you'd be astounded how easy it is to get by a robot, get it to do what you would like, do all of the programming (laughs) and stuff, and just to be able to print these certain stuff out. So for instance, the product that we make, take anywhere from 50 minutes to an hour for a guy to weld by hand, and we weld them in uh, 11 minutes. And the robots, I mean, yeah, as long as you do the upkeep, they don't get sick, they don't get divorced, they don't have jury duty, they don't get hung over. You know, you feed these things, and it's great being in an industry where you get to use stuff like that. Yeah. And then being in DFW where uh, there's just so much industry, and you can find, you know, a manufacturer's rep, and they have a hundred thousand square foot place, and so you buy a robot, and it's out of DFW while you're there, and everything's so close. You know, it's just a dream living in DFW. What was it? What was it like? I mean, this is new for Care Dog. This is new for you. This is new for everybody, right? You're gonna pick a robot. You're gonna program this thing. Like, what was it like finding a robot? (laughs) And, and then, like, what did you learn from it, you know, now years down the line? like, wh- Well, I learned how lucky I was. I, I was really fortunate to um, find the right people. Uh, I guess I would start with the same way you kind of weigh out if people are BS or not. Yeah. Uh, the sales folks and stuff like that. You, you know, that's one big thing that I don't think I am uh, gracious to myself enough about and that Carrie really hammers down a lot is that we knew nothing about manufacturing before we got into it. And uh, I had a guy say, you should look at doing it robots versus by man. And I mean, one, and I heard this through the grapevine from another guy. He didn't even tell me direct. Wow. And it's responsible for so much of our success that we have now. Isn't that amazing? Uh, just by somebody offhand mentioning, you know, you should maybe look at it this way versus that. And I would say the biggest, you know, deal is just networking and being around yeah. the right people. Yeah. You meet somebody that uh, has a phone number that you need. You know, they're, they're customers of yours already. And, you know, yeah, this is what I'm trying to do next, blah, 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 blah. Oh, well, I know the president of that you know, company, here's the cell phone number. Oh, you should really look at doing things this way. You know, so the, the manufacturer that we got the robot from, they are a manufacturing facility of themselves. And along with buying the robot, I get to call them up and, hey, what do you think about this method of welding? What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. You know, this sort of, you know, there's all sorts of types of welding. And, and uh, you know, what do we do on these corners? And do you have any input on on building this type of structure? And uh, a lot of it has come from relationships, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, getting the right people in that understand the operations, especially if you're doing the startup, you're, you know, you can't do it all. You're going to need somebody probably that does the operations if you're going to be the business guy. So, um, oh, please. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I never understood the value of networking until I started doing it on my own. Wow, um, I like that. And, and to give it up to you, I think that's something that you're tremendous on. And people that, there's no question whether you know Troy or not. I think kind of like whether you know Carrie Fender or not. You, you, you haven't, uh, yeah, I think I may have met him. It's like, you met the fucking dude or you didn't, because you remembered it. Uh, 
And that's, I mean, just that's the awesome. value and being somebody that people get along with and will deal yeah. with. And yeah. I mean, you deal with it with engineers and geologists and probably not the best salespeople, right. probably not the best people, people, but, uh, you get an individual like yourself that can do the science and can carry on a damn conversation <laughs> and people want to be around again. Uh, it's like, what a freaking asset. So, right on. uh, Damn, that's cool, man. Yeah, I, like I would, the, I I would like say you. networking has been my biggest deal. Wow, that's interesting. That's our big push for this event coming up, man, is is networking for sure. That's like the whole idea of getting a community together that is going to be the community that is pushing forward the next 20, 40 years. You know, how are we really going to manage this thing? Who are we voting for? Why are we voting for them? How are we handling the energy demand? You know, all these very real and very kind of high level, but very real uh, problems we're dealing with. Without a doubt. I want to know those people. That's yeah. that's what Who's I want. Who's coming up? Yeah. There's got to be, I mean, yeah, obviously we deal with that in the U.S. Our, our leadership tends to be so old, but there's got to be people coming up and mm -hmm. filling those spots. Who are those mm -hmm. decision makers? What are they thinking? Yeah. Uh, it's tremendous. Networks and to create events deal. where people can get together and, God, I've been waiting to get this out. Yeah. Finally, I can deal with uh, uh, similar-minded individuals on on these topics. That I'm, You saw how we ranted about motocross yeah. for so long. Yeah. Imagine one of those meetups. It's yeah. like being able to do those things and being a person that puts those together. Like, God, that's tremendous and so much value for the industry. Yeah. No, that's de that's definitely it. And there's there's people like John Cassiano you met, right? Absolutely. And Matt Bear, like these these guys are in it, and they also have that passion, you know. And and it's like it's because of those people, without a doubt, that we have this event coming up and all that. Without them, I would never have taken it on. But I realized that, dude, there's a real need for for the professionals to get together and right. talk and communicate. And challenge each other with new ideas. Absolutely. Like, we have to do this. You know what I mean? We need a platform to do this. The societies create a possibility for it. Without a doubt. But it's the professionals, man. It's the network that gets together and challenges it and, and enjoys that. You but know? nature and, doesn't just fall into order. It takes somebody putting these things together where now we can come be natural ourselves. But the the... You know, I guess it used to be blogs, spaces, and all these things. Them just fall into order yeah. from nowhere. Like-minded individuals just happen to show up somewhere. I mean, thank That's goodness right. for the individuals like you guys that can put this together uh, and and uh, get the people together to start having those fun conversations, the tough conversations, the challenging conversations. Yeah, because yeah, how do you get better? Right. And it's super easy to, to realize that, uh, there, there might be, there might be a philosophy out there that is kind of leaning more the other way, which is, it's all just going to kind of fall together. Like, well, it's just, we're all along the ride. It's all going to fall together. And we're saying, you know, we're like, no, like we have nature a, doesn't show that <laughs> we have a sense of urgency here. This isn't all just going to keep rolling along the way that we see it for the next 40, 50 years, like there could be some major changes. Absolutely. We need to better understand the fundamentals. We must do a better job. Uh, and, and that's kind of, and scary. that's been, I, I think the interesting like thing that I've gathered from you is there's a clear, um, difference between like everybody's hungry to make money. That's a given. Uh, but it, it seems that there's, 
individuals in your industry, industry, I mean, interested in the industry, interested to make changes and, and find those questions that we don't know and those things versus the the individuals that are interested in making money. I mean, that's yeah. natural, but, uh, you know, thank goodness for those guys that will ask the tough questions, not be the most popular, put the tough ones forward, uh, you yeah. know, that sort of thing. It's tremendous. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're always pushing forward, man. We're always trying to do that. I just, uh, yeah, we just got a lot more work to do. Which... And you're moving in, you know, everybody's moving in the right direction. You, the oil-filled people who, who want to view things traditional-wise, and the individuals that don't, you're all in oil and gas moving yeah. forward. But it's so easy. To, I mean, it's so interesting, the barrier between the two um, of who wants to hear something new and who doesn't. I mean, that's every industry. Yeah. That's what I hated so much about construction is, you know, uh -huh. it was a classic thing that, that some of the younger guys always said uh, amongst each other is, we've done this the same way for 40 years. Yeah. You know, we built the same damn job for 40 years. And it's like... What does that mean then? You know, okay. Has the rest of the, has other industries not gotten better in 40 years? We're not going to space the same way we were. We're not uh, treating in medicine the same way we are. That can't be our uh, hmm. throwaway statement that we hang our hat on. Like, well, I can always say that we've done it the same way for 40 years. There's no rift in that. There's no waves caused. It's like, well, I don't know if that would be my saving grace statement necessarily. Well, he's been doing it the wrong way for 40 years, or you could do it better, you know? Yeah. So thank God for the people that uh, will ask, you know, the quote-unquote dumb questions of, okay, I know we do it like this. Yeah. Why again? Yeah. Who the made, Mavericks, the, who made that decision? Yeah. And under what, you know, yeah. reasons? And have the ability to like, but what about this data that says total otherwise? What, yeah. what, and then it's like, if science ah. is science, then why is one science more popular than the other? Yeah. If, if one's just as valid and it's saying this yeah, and, uh, the other doesn't have as much of a, you know, say as much of a scientific grounding. It's like yep. interesting. Yep. It is man. Interesting. But you're not going to be time. the most popular saying that. I mean, no. uh, Big or, time. or recommending, Hey, this may be different. Well, what's funny is in, I, I think when you say not the most popular is that by, by putting out a different way of thinking about something mm -hmm. and I've done this now in person so many times, like it was one thing that we did what we did and, and we came about and said, you know, there's a whole new way of thinking about this. Mm -hmm. We should think about this. Now it's not only should we think about this, but I can, I, I go toe to toe on the data mm -hmm. and I've learned enough and I've, I've learned that we can, uh, we can actually make sense of this data in it with a new perspective. And what I noticed on outcrop was it might not be the most popular, mm -hmm. but you're the most remembered. Wow. I know you're the most remembered, Troy. Everybody <laughs> remembers Troy. <laughs> I don't know about that, man, but out on outcrop, when, when you come at a different perspective and you really challenge it and you, and you, and you have someone who's really entertaining it, mm -hmm. Uh, that's the other thing you need. If someone just kind of sits there and nods, there's nothing you can do. But right. when you get the questions and you get the engagement, it was so much excitement, dude. There, yeah, it thank was God so for those fun. people. Yeah, it was so much fun. And yeah, maybe it's not the most popular, but it, it. What is popular? You know what I mean? Like what? I I I mean, 
right when you asked that, I was like, oh, that's a good question. And I would imagine there would be a lot of hurt egos, perhaps, and especially in such a rough and tough industry. You never want to be wrong. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that sort of plays into things sure. and having so much money behind the way. Uh, yeah, it's just interesting the way that, but that's a good thing about smaller guys, right? That's where I gain a lot of, of, um, space in my industry is smaller guys can ask more questions. They're more nimble. They're more, you know, you're not trying to change the way BP does things, That's right. uh, but you have the dexterity, uh, here in this office to ask those questions and prove those data points and all those things That's without right. Rocking, it's like what boat am I rocking? It's me. That's dog. right, baby. Fucking out here. <laughs> that's right. You know? So it got, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it, it, realizing that and realizing what space you're actually operating in is a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's a huge deal for for business and just for success in life. Is just you know what space are you really operating in, and figuring that out is a big deal. And that was a challenge uh, for sure for me. Was like, all right, all I can do is is uh, start an operating company and try to go rock my own boat, man. All you can do is your best, right? I, what yeah. the hell else do you have to give? Well I, well, I went in thinking, let's change the world, right? I went in going, hey, tough. Why not? Why not? Somebody's got it. Somebody tough. can do it. It's a good. It's a, it's a <laughs> tremendous. We've all been there. That's it's right. a tremendous pursuit. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you got slapped by reality that's just like right. all of us do, but that's right. shit, were you wrong in thinking that? No, that's right. Yeah. All you can that's offer right. is your best. That's right. And we did, I mean, going back to the, the passion versus money thing, I, I mean, maybe it's a silly example, but we didn't like go to the moon, for instance, off of uh, engineers being coaxed with dollars. You know, it was the passion for getting there first and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And just how thankful to be for those individuals that, uh, you know, measure their lives in a different way. You yeah. know, it's not about specifically digits that you can measure, but, uh, you know, what effect am I having on those around me and on the industry? What can I accomplish for the sake of, you know, being able to tell my kids or grandkids one day? Yeah. Um, and those are the individuals that change stuff. It's not the money seekers. Uh, it's... It's guys that'll ask the real questions, uh, man. And what an opportunity we have. I mean, you were speaking about the government and things. So thankful for the opportunity we have in America to be able to pursue those things without as much, you know, corruption or whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, they even have programs where they help fund the program, right? Without so a doubt. you can even get financial assistance and some of this stuff. I mean, horizontal fracking, drilling and fracking was really a lot of funding from DOE, you know? Really? Yeah. Yeah. We, we did a little mini podcast with the ex director of the DOE for energy. And she was like, we, we funded a huge amount of money into gracious. better understanding how to do this. And mm-hmm. we just needed to do it. And you couldn't have just done it off private investors who wanted a big return. You, it had to have some subsidy mm-hmm. and just like everything, just like wind and solar and fucking lithium Nuclear nuclear like this this energy landscape we've built is is now becoming very cloudy and and kind of uh misunderstood and and well nobody even knows what's right right now right you're you're either a hero or a villain being in oil and gas depending on who you ask right uh so how how do you move forward as a country uh on one topic 
uh, you know, like space, for instance, you know, we were all behind it or not. We, I wasn't alive at the time, obviously, but, uh, you know, that was something that everybody was behind versus now you could, you know, perhaps in Oregon or somewhere get glass water thrown on you for yeah. being oil and gas right. or for, for saying, yes, I frack, yeah. you know, and, and all That's of these right. things. It's, uh, yeah, it's got to be confusing from federal standpoint, and, it and is. Uh, it's confusing, and that's that's the first red flag that should be uh, a, a, something that tells us we we might need to think about the fundamentals here. Without there, a doubt, there shouldn't be this kind of confusion amongst the people. It's a hairy situation to be in when people sure. can't agree on fundamentals of anything. I mean, how do you know where you are? I mean, it's such a it's not a profound statement by any means, but it's silly that you even have to say it mm. and that that's the situation we kind of find ourselves in on a lot of topics. Yeah. It's like we really don't even know what's what. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, how? How do, we, how do we get to that point where we don't live in reality? But uh, Isn't that interesting? What is I reality? So. Yeah. What is real? Well, interesting question, but... Uh, seems like there used to be things that we could agree on and now you can't and yeah. it's like it's just not good you know when you i guess if you compare nation versus nation there's nations that are all on board with themselves and there's nations that seem to have a rift as as we do at the moment so i hope the best for us man i really hope we can get all on the same page and move forward yeah uh i mean not on some make america great again thing but uh you seemed to enjoy when we were all on the same page moving in one direction versus, you know, the alternative, which I think is right now. Huh. Uh, so hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a slippery slope. That is the truth. You've seen the slippery, slippery slope come out uh, in, in recent history, I think. So it truly is. But back to the networking, right? Absolutely. Back to the communication and Power. opportunity to talk to each other, opportunities to meet each other um, and talk through different things like this. I mean, you get to the point where you get to that level of nationwide or worldwide concepts and challenging those and revolutions that are happening or evolution in theories that are happening. Uh, communicating that effectively and keeping it on the forefronts of, mm -hmm. of the societies is Absolutely. really, really hard to do. Really hard, very important. You know, right. It seems like those are the most difficult things are often the most important. So You got to use technology, right? That's the, the podcast for sure does a good Absolutely. job at, at uh, connecting corners of the world and, and having really interesting conversations from people that would never be able to read or listen to those ideas. And you don't have to do it in front of somebody. You can right. be on the elliptical listening to, right. you know, as the president of, you know, BP or whatever it may be, hearing an idea uh, to where you don't have to deal with the, you know, uh, shame or whatever you want to call it of being like, wow, that's a really good point. And I don't have to defend it in front of a hundred people yeah. right now. Yeah. I can really let it soak in. And, and uh, all these avenues, all these little ways where people can be exposed to different things. I mean, it's just tremendous. And we didn't have podcasts growing up and stuff. It's crazy thinking back. Would you have even listened to a podcast <laughs> growing up when you were so just enthused with you know the music or whatever it was? Yeah. I don't uh, know. But so much to gain. I mean, I have so much to 
give credit from like podcast stuff like this for stuff I've learned. It's Isn't that you know, cool. Very thankful for you guys that do this stuff. That's cool, man. Yeah, networking, what? man. It's everything and, and getting it out there and getting it back. You know, that's obviously the the next big deal, not only being able to put it out there, but how is it being received? What am I getting back? Yeah. Because uh, that's obviously how you sharpen yourself and, right. and get to what people want. Yeah. Uh, uh, so the feedback's just as important, right? That's right. That's right. Get your reviews. Yeah. That's good stuff. And give reviews, peeps. You yeah. Know? Give reviews. Yeah. The people need to know what, what they need to improve. It's yeah. always, uh, I'm always thankful for a gracious review. You know, even if it's poor or whatever it may be, it's like better than me going on thinking I was doing it right, you know? Yep. That's right. That's right. That's, that's having that, like an example of the close circle and the people that we have in our lives that we, we grow into really trusting mm -hmm. and, and really the people that are in our corners they love you enough to be honest with you. You know what I mean? And that's the good thing about reviews and social media mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And you can put something out there and get some reviews back. And, uh, and that is super helpful in personal life. It's a lot more challenging and it's a lot yeah. harder to do because you get, you're, you know, you're in person and yeah, without but, a doubt, but no question about it. The, uh, the idea that, you know, I'd love you enough. I'm going to be honest with you and you need to hear this because I want to see you get better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. On, on that subject, you know, I was kind of brainstorming things I may want to bring up on the pod. What's something that you've failed at recently? You know, I think a lot of the successes get highlighted oftentimes. And anytime I, you know, meet somebody that I sit down and talk to like this, I like to find out, you know, what's maybe not your biggest failure, but what did you fail at recently? And what's a failure that sticks out in your head? Hmm. Ah, it's hard to say if a failure for me because we're still going, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? There's always solutions. There's always a fix. Thank goodness. And so you focus on that. And, and so failure is a hard one to, to pinpoint. But, um, I started thinking about the, the amount of irons I have in the fire, right? Oh, yeah. And this idea that you know, these serial entrepreneurs, <laughs> you, you gotta do that because it's just a matter of time when one goes cold and the other one's going to get hot and you don't want to miss out on any of that stuff. But at the same time, uh, how many hours of the day or the week that you're putting in to trying to keep something hot or cold, uh, or manage the hot and cold right. and, and you're mismanaging, uh, some of your own happiness, some of those moments that you could have with your kids or have stories with, all this time, right? Right. Have with your wife. So I would say recently it's been really exciting. Mm -hmm. It's been so many things moving, mm -hmm. but mismanaging almost the, the amount of fire, uh, heat and all that stuff that's happening. Yeah. And, every bit of it. Right. Thinking you really have control of more than you think you might control. Yeah, dude. So you, the, the reality is, you know, you, you get to let go. You, you're, you have these irons, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like they don't need to be micromanaged. Right. Uh, so entrepreneur being an entrepreneur, don't micromanage the, uh, the irons in the fire and, and, uh, certainly don't the 60, 70 hours and all that stuff, uh, you know, sacrificing okay. some of this time. It's cool in the movies. It's cool in a book and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, especially when you have a family. Yeah. 
who am I working for at the end of the day? Right. Working for me or am I working for us? And those That's are right. kind of two different outcomes, right? That's right, man. And we we do a good job with it. My wife's amazing at it. My kids are always fun. They all like every kids time. Kids are great, man. I just met <laughs> I just met Troy's kids and dude, it, it was such a blast just getting to meet them. Conversations <laughs> we were having and stuff. Freaking great family, man. Thank you, man. Absolutely yeah. tremendous. Yeah, no, you got a great mom. Got a great mom. You do, we're, yeah, we're, y'all. Yeah, I mean, and the gosh. kids are like, "How was the meeting, Dad?" Like when I come out of the room, they just they're all pumped. The daughter telling, I mean. Right from the get-go, telling me oh, I'm a geologist just like my mom and dad and blah, 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 blah. It's like, I know I didn't do that as a kid and wasn't thinking about those things. I mean, the, just the, the amount of like passion that y'all have harbored uh, is tremendous. No, freaking makes me pumped to, to have kids and, you know, I'm, I'm married. But start the family, you know, true, real you know, big full family, like, what are you looking forward to the most, man? You're young. You're a young lion, right? Dude. I don't know. I feel like, uh, sometimes an outlier in some of my perspectives and people asking, you know, you want boys, you want girls, blah, 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 blah. I'm trying to do this wisdom deal of, of just like, I really just want kids and I'm not going to be more happy or less happy regardless of, you know, boy, girl, whatever. Yeah. And uh, just realizing, like, the tremendous value of being a good parent. Like, if I can keep things going, how they're going at Stout, and keep business going, like, really, I just want to try and be a good dad, I think. Right. Uh, and it sounds simple and sounds cheesy, and but, like, no matter how you want to to measure it, you know, financial or from a societal standpoint like good dads are are fantastic people yeah i mean mean, nothing against single parent households or anything but like having a good male figure in the house and having you know all of these things like i'm excited about that yeah trying to make the best humans i can yes and uh trying not to expect too much and i feel like that's gonna be the key to success somehow what do not you think? expecting too much, but trying to be uh, uh, as raw as best I can. I just want to be a good dad. Yeah, know, really. So in your opinion, let's do the a hypothetical mm-hmm. and I want to talk about some fundamentals, right? Fundamentals of what you think the being sustaining your goal as, uh, as being a good dad, let's assume uh, you get home from this weekend, your wife's like, I'm pregnant. So the mm-hmm. baby's coming. No question about that. Can't nothing you can do about that. It's coming. And you know you're going to be a good dad. Nothing about that. You, you just have it. Try my best. Uh, but let's assume business fails, right? Mm-hmm. And now you have the assumption going into this hypothetical situation that you're going to still be a, a great dad. Absolutely. What are some of the fundamentals that you can still have without having the security of, of your business and the success of your business as you see it right now? Man, I'm a huge victim of that like fear mindset and you know, I have to be successful and you have to make whatever the dollar value is to be a good parent, you know. I was raised a certain way. We already lamented about how expensive motocross was, you know, and I was just uh, you know, gushing to my dad the other day about how I was concerned that my kids won't have the lifestyle that I was raised in, for instance. And you're around these wise characters, Carrie Fender, Russell Potter, all these guys Mm -hmm. um, that'll tell you like, yeah, it was all fine and good, but 
the time spent and the support, you know, were the first two things that came to my mind. Uh, you can really turn a kid off by, um, you know, saying maybe you aren't as hungry as I was growing up or you weren't performing like I was growing up or these sorts of things. Um, like, yeah, obviously we all need a hard kick in the ass a lot of times, especially mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and even motivational wise, uh, we all need that motivation. Um, but I think time and support, right on. huge deals. It can be building Legos. It can be, if you can't afford Legos, it can be building stuff out of tree branches you ripped down. Let's Kids do are so imaginative oh, yeah. that uh, it's it's a you rocket need, ship. Those tree branches are a freaking rocket ship. But you literally don't I spent the time with you. I went along with the rocket ship. Yeah. We built it. <laughs> we went to Mars. You supported me. Uh, you gave me that feeling that I can succeed. You know, uh, it seems like all the wealthy guys we talked to that did it wrong, it's, I cared more about one thing than the other. You know, I didn't spend the time. I spent the money. And, uh, you know, how do you balance those? It's always a razor's edge, right? Yeah. You can always, uh, you can always be 50, 50 perfect. It's hard. It's hard to balance on the razor's edge. And that's what I'm like figuring out. You know, I idolized entrepreneurship so much uh, because I saw the life that it afforded me as a kid. And, you know, it's cool and sexy and all of those things. Oh, business owner, all oh, this, that, and the other. And uh, uh, yeah, it can afford you a great lifestyle and it can afford you time. You know, working in a large company, maybe you can't get the time to go to motocross races that you can when you can hire somebody to take over half your role. You get to make those decisions as a business owner. So how do I, you know, harness wisdom from from generations past, but take these tools of, you know, business ownership and and be the best individual I can. And I think it comes down to to time and support personally, Uh, spending that time. Uh, being around the kids and then going along with the tree branch rocket ship, going yeah. along with gymnastics, you know, <laughs> soccer's dumb and whatever, but you can also learn. We signed up for this. We're sticking with it. That's right. We're trying as hard as we can. You nagged me to sign up. So we're going to be kicking goals, you know, twice uh, a week in the evenings or whatever. Yeah. And those are, you know, how much value, you know, does that gain? That's right. Uh, That's unmeasurable, dude. That's perfectly said. But I'm not a father yet. You know, what do you think? I would just agree with what you said. I I could probably add some things, but dude, time and support and what you just said is insanely valuable to the kid. It's unbelievable. So you've seen the same, you you think you've seen seen the same thing. I've seen it in my kids. I know it's true. I know what you're saying is true. So you have the right perspective. You have the right idea of what the fundamentals are needed to be a good dad. Uh, You could be having the worst day. They don't understand. They don't care. And all they care about is your time and your support. And when you give it to them, your bad day gets recycled into the best day. So so that's the thing with with parenthood, right? And that us... uh, pre-parents don't understand is is it worth it i don't know that i want to deal with it on my worst day (laughs) yeah but every the wisest people i've ever spoke to 
and the wealthiest people I've ever spoke to. And, and hopefully those are mixed usually, but uh, <laughs> they've said the best thing they've ever done is have kids. Yeah. Do I get it? No, I don't yeah. get it because I don't understand it yet. Right. But when everybody says it, it's like, okay, there's got to be something there. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and I can regurgitate all sorts of bullshit that sounds good. Yeah. I don't get it yet. I'm you selfish. Know, I can imagine uh, it being, being a parent could certainly be super challenging because it's not all uh beds of roses you know what i mean you you could have a spouse that's really bad and and that doesn't go well and you don't get to see your kids Mm -hmm. um you you could lose children i mean there's definitely stories out there that 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 make parenting maybe a very very hard thing for someone's life but what what you were getting at and what i was feeling while you were explaining what these people were telling you is the simple fact that when when you go to bed at night and you have a child and you you're laying with them or you you know that they're comfortable mm-hmm. you go to bed so happy and it it's almost like you know going to sleep that it doesn't even matter if you wake up the next day you're going to sleep so happy right and you just go to sleep dude like out of all the chaos out of everything you go to sleep happy Dude, that, hearing that sort of stuff gets me so pumped to have kids. You know, it's so intimidating. Oh, it is. Man. Uh, and it know, is hard. And I'm worried. And yeah, you can't downplay the difficulty at all. And I right. really work on not downplaying that difficulty. But like, if your favorite people are telling you how good it is, it's like, why am I so nervous about it? You know, all of my friends, my eights are like, what the hell was I scared of? You know, that have had kids. I wish I would have done it sooner. I wouldn't have chased so much stupid bullshit that I was chasing, you know? Uh, and yeah, it, it, I believe I'm looking forward to it. Obviously it makes it more difficult, but the, the simplifying of life of like, yeah. I think once you get so overwhelmed with so many responsibilities, which you clearly have, it's like, Oh, so many other measures don't matter as much. Yeah. My kids go into sleep content and happy. Yeah. Like, that's the only bar I have to clear. Oh, I don't man. have to impress you. I don't have to impress this girl. I don't have to impress Insta. I don't have yeah. to, you know. Yeah. It's like, God, yeah, these kids man. loved playing in this box uh, that just, turned into, you know, a, you know, and they're just exhausted or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, uh, God, and I'm so happy. I look forward to that so much. Dude, it's amazing. It's amazing. So weird. <laughs> so interesting, you know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, I think we're rolling right into the completion part of this show. Love it. Which uh, I want to get your take on kind of where you see industry and you can just do international, dude, like Mm -hmm. think world global perspective. Where do you see the where do you see us going in the next five to 10 years? Do you see global recessions? Do you see a depression? Like, where are you at on your meter of, like, what's going on? The interesting thing, and obviously not being, like, a professional at all, the interesting thing about a recession, right, is is everybody didn't call it, and that's what makes it a recession. And everybody's calling recession right now. So how does a recession happen when everyone's calling recession? I, you know, in manufacturing, and although I don't manufacture internationally, my customers receive things internationally. So I'm pretty well 
or somewhat honed in on, yeah, you know, what's going on. And it appears to me at least that a lot of things are coming back stateside and countries are turning to doing everything themselves so that they can. And, uh, we're pulling some manufacturing out of China and out of Europe and out of other places. Some jobs are growing internationally, call centers and things of that nature. But, um, oil and gas trade seems like it's it's growing more individualistic we're we're doing less from what i can measure um and people saying they're doing less than us and petrodollar changing and all of those things manufacturing for sure is coming more stateside so it's interesting thinking about what's going to happen in the future where everybody's always promoting this you know one human race and and uh international business and all of these sorts of things but a lot of stuff's coming back to its individual countries it seems like Hmm. uh from what each person can handle obviously if you don't have oil and gas uh but there's plenty of of catalysts in the market it seems like obviously you've got this large war russia and ukraine going on where does china sit on that uh, where do we sit with China? Where do we sit with Taiwan and China? Mm-hmm. You know, we have a leader saying that he would defend Taiwan. Um, obviously, we're tight with Taiwan, and uh, but so much manufacturing coming out of Asia, so much steel and, and raw products come out of there. Uh, I mean, and again, just so much manufacturing. Mm-hmm. It's like it's hard to put a put a finger on. You know, like, what is going on? You yeah. know, are we trying to work together or are we not? Because we're acting like we're not, but, but we're like clearly so dependent. Either way, right? Like what you're saying, no matter what the outcome, are we going to work more or less with international uh, allies or right. whatever? What's certainly not happening is some kind of slowing down of anything. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I mean, so... We're I, taking off. Uh, what oil and gas reserves are at an all-time low, so surely production is going to be increasing if we would like to have those reserves, which only seems wise to my simple mind, but, uh, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. And dudes. with all these discussions on the petrodollar and who's going to be dealing with who, like, uh, it only makes sense to me that things stateside are going to continue to increase. Now, maybe if you're the owner of a large, uh, company that's importing a lot of stuff, maybe you're not going to benefit as much, but, a lot of stuff's coming stateside, what seems to benefit us at least. Wow. Uh, Someone, I, I was talking to somebody and I just recently talked about this too in a podcast was, uh, you know, are we, are we coming out of the recession already? Like, is it behind us? And it's like, with this conversation, I'm like, I think so. I think I'm getting more confident that most of the stuff is made up and it's all like, off of fear and all these things are driving the concepts of like, no, it's all coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's all fear driven. The reality is no, we're actually out of it. Right. And we need to just get over the hump on, are we going to get more integrative? Right. Or are we going to actually like, uh, differentiate, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like we're just going to go stateside or maybe what countries we're actually physically connected to deal. Yeah, exactly. So the either way, Let's go. Either way, we got plenty to do. I think so. I mean, I mean, if so much stuff is soaking up internationally or drying up, rather, um, 
there's people stateside to fill those voids. Yeah. Manufacturers like myself, uh, I mean, like myself, and and although it may not benefit the ultra large uh, company uh, initially. Clearly, those things have beneficial impacts on our economy, right. and and me making more money and putting money back into the economy. That's right. Yes, your uh, company that that uh, imported things from China, they're having to spend more, but there's something to say about, um, you know, the other parts of the economy that it's stimulating. You know, that's ten jobs that I create right now that didn't exist before is that changing the fabric of the u.s no but a thousand companies that way yeah that it can hire 10 people and make these jobs and pay that's well you know pay your 20 22 dollars an hour for welders and all these things that makes impacts on people's lives dude and uh so that's it so so sorry screw me for for cheering on us not getting as much from China, but it, it's uh, it doesn't matter. Helping us. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. If it does, we'll manage it. We'll yes. get. We'll still get through it. If we don't, great. I'll manage it even better. We like, are not. See- I mean, yeah. To sum up what you're saying, we are not seeing people unwilling to pay these American prices to get things done, uh, and it's benefiting all of us. I'm not seeing the big slowdown. Great. Um, steel went up during COVID 200 percent at one point. Uh, but that was our huge dependence on Asia and not having our mills operate um, how they ought to stateside. Wow. Now we get that under order. Now the U.S. is much more capable of operating on their own without having to rely so heavily uh, on Asia. So That would be fantastic because the, com- the steel cost in my last workover was the largest single bill. Brutal. Fucking brutal, dude ridiculous that can't happen that's just going to destroy the industry Stupid. without a doubt we got to get those mills running we got to get our own iron we, we got to get, get those, more mills we got to get those costs under control that's ridiculous get efficient energy out of the ground like we do and then having to pay out the nose for steel come on yeah and that's you know the classic thing of you know investing back in ourselves versus clearly there's a much easier dollar to be made getting your steel you know, from Asia or getting XYZ made from Asia. And I can't blame you for that. And I'm not going to, but, um, once the dollar isn't the only thing that you think about, uh, it becomes a little bit easier to, to be like, yeah, I'm on board with the U S I'm glad that we're all doing well. And if people are still, uh, uh, willing to pay these prices, it's like, we all only benefit from it. Uh, your property value. I mean, all of these things are linked to how well we are doing, you know? Yeah. And and it's hard to care about how well we are doing when I, you know, say you and I have completely different uh, points of view and that gets back to like the rift versus joint uh, uh, topic that you were talking about earlier right. is what are we doing here? Are yeah. we together? Are we growing apart? You know, what's the situation? But mm-hmm. uh, it only helps us when we become capable of doing those things ourselves uh, versus letting the, the sleeping tiger take it all over like they are. So all love to China. Love the peeps. Maybe don't love the government. But uh, <laughs> takeaway uh, for me is we're going to be all right. We're going to be great, dude. We are resourceful people and we are uh, there is a lot of us that are willing to do what it takes uh, 
and you gotta love America for that. You know, that sort of ethos and uh, doing things ourselves, starting it ourselves, having the uh, initiative to do those things. Like, obviously, we're not the only ones that have those things and, and we're yeah. not, you know, superior to all. But God, we've got a lot of it. Yeah. And, and we've done it through the past. If we can keep those embers going, keep blowing some oxygen on that fire, yep. like God, we're a pretty capable yep. group of stinking people. And, and they come from all over the world. You know, it's not white folks. It's, it's people right. from all over the world that chase the dream. That's right. You know, it's and like, God, uh, we got to keep that dream together. There's the European machine. There's the Chinese mach- Asian machine. There's American machine. Yeah. There's yeah. all these machines. Russo man. theme. Yeah. And Russo we, machine social media and in the last 10, 20 years has been all out, 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 out. And now it's maybe coming back. Yes. We've learned a lot. We've, we've appreciated everyone else's cultures, right? We've learned a lot. Like I, I, I certainly have without a doubt. I've appreciated all that different thing, but now it's like, all right, let's, let's, let's bring it back in and let's just be successful at what we can do. And, and we have a good economy. We have a strong economy. We have we a do. strong dollar. Let's just focus on that and be okay with that. And let's get after it. Yeah. Let's- Maintaining the, the cards in hand that we have, you know, seeing what other opportunities are, but absolutely maintain the you know, tremendous strengths that we have, you know, oil and gas wise, natural, I mean, natural resources, natural resources, uh, man. you know, as a whole real assets and large demand. I mean, we don't have the largest, um, population in the world, but God, we've got a good demand, uh, and, and maintaining that and being able to good serve point. that ourselves. That's a good point. Uh, real good point, man. I think I was, is that the, I mean, that's pretty much as good as we can get, at least in the first episode with Chase Fender. Without a doubt. Dude. <laughs> it could be it a hundred, a ser- it could be a hundred episode series. One of these, by the time we're dude, done, we're going to start a motor, <laughs> uh, motocross, supercross <laughs> podcast. I think. <laughs> You know, I'm I could go you. on forever. No. Dude, the day you move here, we're going to watch live and be the commentators on Supercross or Motocross, whichever Without it is. Without a doubt. We're just going to turn it on. I've got my opinions, Troy. Dude, you, I would listen to you listen to uh, watching Motocross every Dude. day. Well, again, I mean, so thankful for the individuals that put things like this together. Uh, I know I've done my ranting and raving, um, but like, God, just so thankful for the people that, you know, put this stuff together, get like-minded individuals together, uh, and not like-minded individuals together. You know, if you can put up with it and thank God for the individuals that are willing to be uncomfortable. So this is tremendous, dude. What a fantastic experience. The PBE experience, (laughs) you know, I freaking love it. 